everyone. Welcome to Caskheads, a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. I'm your host, Jordan, and with me is my co-host and Monday Morning Blues lead, Luke. It is Monday, <laughs> which I didn't even realize. <laughs> well, Mondays, am I right? Mondays. So I know recently we've been focusing on individual distilleries and their styles, but today we're mixing it up. We've got a blender, we've ninja'd it, it's all mixed up. So English whiskey. First of all, England has in fact been a country for most of its time. Not all of its time, but a, a good portion it's been a country. Some Sometimes it wasn't, other times just a vague landmass. Quite finished. Yup. English whiskey, which for some strange reason we got distracted and moved away from when we were doing our whole world tour for a while. We were doing a world tour? Well, we did Scottish, Irish, American, Swedish, Japanese, but we forgot England. I didn't even know we did that many countries. How many episodes are out? Uh, 300, actually. I've been uploading them every every so <laughs> <laughs> Every five seconds. First of all, England has, in fact, had a long history of distilling, and... Some of that was even whiskey. However, the last records of distilling malt whiskey officially in England were around about 1903 when the last distillery closed. So there is a big gap that kind of takes place. As we'll find out later on, the English whiskey company in Norfolk set up in 2006 where they first, well, they first ran spirit off the stills in 2006. And so when you imagine 1903 to 2006, big gap. They ran out of the little uh, baton, get out of here, you spirits. (laughs) Running it off the stills, get it? You rabble racers. These days, there are actually more distillers in England than Scotland. However, the vast majority of these are for the production of gin. Whoa. A lot of gins created in England. However, really? yeah, um, as the fact was pointed out, I think if you add up all the volume of English gin distilleries, it still doesn't add up to the dis- the like volume created of some of the Scottish distilleries. It's not really a big a big threat. It's just that a number of a lot of very small batch operations are happening at the moment with the, the gin boom. Ah, yeah, the gin boom, yeah. Mm-hmm. baby boomers. <laughs> no, no, the gin boom, you know, where they, they rush into the mountains and start panning for gin in the rivers and things. <laughs> There's gin in them hills and uh, it's waiting for me there. <laughs> now, depending where you look on uh, for your facts and figures, there are anywhere between 16 and 24 whiskey distilleries in England. I kid you not, I actually did do this double-checking research and I did find that wider variety. This is like, ah, how many distilleries? Oh, ah, and hang on. About 16 to 24. That's hang like on, whoa, 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 the whoa, whoa. little tab you click on your age range when filling out a form. This does not include Wikipedia. I did not count that as valid research. So Wikipedia could say anything. (laughs) Wikipedia was like 78. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. England. That's why they have been distilling scotch. Scotch was invented in England. England weirdly has no distilleries at all. And a population of three. So I went through the research and, like I say, I double-checked everything. And to my knowledge, I've done some calculations, written some maths down, showed my workings out because that's always important. And it came to 16-ish and a bit. Yeah, but what's the angle of the triangle? Oh, well, that depends if you're having pie with it. Now, I had a look through the list, and like I say, 16 that definitely fall under the category of whiskey production. So there's definitely an amount. There's an amount. However, those 16 are in a variety of stages as to whether their spirit is whiskey yet or maturing. Because, ah. as we know, three years minimum to be called whiskey. I looked at the list, and sure enough, there were these 16 distilleries. However, there's at least one more that I know of that was not on the list. The secret distillery. 
No. They predominantly produce gin, and the whiskey that they do release is actually a blend of whiskies that they've brought in and further matured in their own barrels. However, they're going to a new premises, or they've moved into new premises now, actually, rather, and they are creating spirit. So I suspect that's why they've not been on the list. It was just not been updated yet. So and because they're a secret distillery hidden among the hills, no one quite knows where they are. Actually, the fact that they stamp it on the bottles kind of gives it away, their location. That's a fake location. Mm, no. You have to you have to get the label off the bottle and pour some lemon on it, hold it over a candle, and a map gets revealed, and that takes you to the next clue. And then, and you, then have you have to you have to put that label in like the center of a sundial at a certain yeah. time, and yeah, and then like a spiral staircase yeah. will kind of yeah. like collapse in on itself, and you'll be able to find your way into the secret lost distillery. Yeah. Okay. It's good to know. Probably not a lost distillery in that we've just told everyone how to do it. Well, no, because they're not going to believe it. So they'll be like, that's absurd. That's how like, that's how they uh... get away with it, because it's so weird. Also, everyone's also going to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. This is how Atlantis hasn't been found yet. Everyone's like, nah, not for me. You know, it's like three meters underground, <laughs> under the water. Everyone's just like, not about that life. Oh, well, I scraped my knee when I was swimming on this spire, but I can't be bothered to look at what it was. Literally. <laughs> like, ah. So like I say, that's just one distillery I can think of off the top of my head where this 16 kind of figure doesn't actually apply uh, or certainly won't apply soon. So I can kind of see where maybe this 16 to 24 figure is coming from if some people are counting ones that aren't technically being counted yet or something. It's it's weird. Um, the prospect of a distillery. <laughs> anything from applying for your first uh, license and permissions, maybe, to actually producing the spirit. Oh, I love that bit in the game of life where you were... Uh... Moonshiners, the game of life edition. Ooh. That'd be great. I'd play it. Yeah, once you kind of figured out the one way to break the system. Yeah, and you always end up at the mansion. It's pretty... I don't know if you... I've never lost a game of life. Now, the first distillery we're going to talk about is... Oh, by the way, these are not particularly in any order. The first distillery we're going to talk about is the Cotswolds Distillery, which is located in the Cotswolds, funnily enough. Ooh, spoilers. It was founded in 2014 uh, with the focus to produce and sell both whiskey and gin. You see, a lot of these distilleries also create gin as a way to get cash flow in for them. And they also do gin very well. It's not like they're just making money. In the Cotswolds distillery, they've actually... Now, this isn't exclusive to them, but they have actually named their stills. Aww. Now, this is a thing that happens in some distilleries. Mary is their wash still, which is the first still. And uh, Janice is the spirit still. So they have Mary and Janice. It's weird because I always think of these distilleries being founded like eons ago, you know? Mm. Like my great-grandpappy. Your great-grandpappy is eons, is it now? Is that is that the definition of an eon? What, three generations? If those generations span hundreds of years, yes. But you've got to allow the fact that you're going back in time. People didn't live hundreds of years. Right, but we don't know they're not immortal. There can only be one. There can only be one. Uh, however, so what I was about to say is, because you were on about the age of these foundings, if you remember, I did say that the English Whiskey Company, which is based in Norfolk, the St. George's Distillery, were the first distillery in nearly 100 years, and they were set up in 2006. I don't remember that. Joel. That was the start of this episode. That was so long ago. <laughs> Literally a quarter of an hour. I reset. So they mature their whiskey in first fill American oak casks and red wine casks, which gives it a lovely kind of fruity flavour to it. And this is a theme that you'll notice with these newer distilleries. A lot of kind of first fill casks and STR casks are going to be very popular because when you're working with newer spirit, when you're working with newer spirit, it doesn't quite have the flavour because it's not old enough, so you have to use the casks that will give you the most flavour. STR stands for shaved, <laughs> toasted, and recharred, which I knew was what you were about to ask. Now, shaved, we... toasted, and recharred. Yeah, that's just my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's my morning routine. Shave, toast, and recharred. <laughs> 
<laughs> just how I make my coffee in the morning. It's my toast regime. You can't like bust out STR 28 episodes in or whatever. We've Ten, talked about STR cast Three episodes. We know. We haven't. We have. You can't just bust. Well, I wasn't there for it. You can't just bust out you some. No. <laughs> you can't just bust. If I watch this television, it's happened too long. You can't just bust out some. Some some youth slang and expect all those old folks to understand. Like you crazy kids and your millennium and your YouTubes and your STRs. Sounds bad. <laughs> Shave toasted rechard. It's what you do. Is basically imagine the inside of a cask. You got wooden staves, right? Now, as the casks get older, a lot of that initial wood flavor is gone because the whiskey's sapped it out. So you shave the inside of the wood. You toast and rechar it, and it's ready for new whiskey with fresh wood. Because you've taken some of that, that uh, worn down kind of wood on the centre, if you like. Um, so that is an STR cast. That's literally never been mentioned. It has. I'm going to listen to all the episodes. Go for it, actually, just for once. I'm listen not, because I've never listened to them past editing. And even then, I barely listen to them. So this is one of the big problems for, for younger distilleries, because they're trying to compete with people that have whiskies. I mean, they have 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old stock quite often. Your younger whiskey inevitably isn't going to be of the same quality. And it can't be. That's just how it works. But by using these casks that will impart a lot more flavour, you can showcase and highlight your spirit a lot better. Yeah, the young kid on the block, you know, they go they go up to the barbecue with everyone. It's like, who's this whippersnapper? Who's this, who's this rapscallion youth? Now, the other uh, whiskey that the Cotswolds Distillery release is, I mean, these are the core kind of standard range ones, is you get one called the Founder's Choice, where the founder, he goes and selects his favourite casks for so bottling. Cotswold? No. Mr. Cotswold? <laughs> no. Hello, I'm Mr. Cotswold of the Cotswolds. The founder goes and selects his favourite casks for bottling. It's also bottled at cask strength, so you're getting a lot more flavour coming through. And it really is a, a lovely step up on the, on the standard release. They've also done several kind of limited releases. One one in particular they did was a peated one, where they used casks that previously held peaty whiskey. Um, so they didn't peat the barley so much, but the peated casks, and it kind of gave you this lightly peated Cotswold spirit, and that was a lovely limited run that they did. Well, if you didn't like any of them... Then you don't get them. It's like taking a sip and it's like, it's all, it's all hullabalooza. There we go. Ooh, a Yorkshire distillery. Yeah, next we're moving on to um, the distillery which is called the Spirit of Yorkshire Distillery. I hope it's better than Yorkshire tea. No offence, but it's shockingly bad. Now, it's located between Scarborough and Bridlington on the East Coast, which is a bit below Whitby. The distillery was set up in 2016, um, although their whiskey has only recently been uh, old enough to actually sell. Now, they kind of very locally sourced. They get the barley from, from uh, well, they farm the barley. They, they grow the barley, they farm it because they're barley farmers. Hmm? They also make beer, and then they went on to making whiskey. It was literally this kind of progression. It was like, we grow barley, but what do you do with barley? Oh, you make beer. Well, what do you do when you've made beer? You make whiskey. What do you do when you've made whiskey? You sell it. Oh. And it's only recently they've actually been selling the bottles, kind of this last year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, 2019 would have been when they were selling it, so sometime in 2019 would have been the start, rough. which sounds about right. Rough time to start selling. Could be more. It's going to be setting up this year. Ooh. The Spirit of Yorkshire Distillery, they actually have two of the largest copper pot stills in the UK outside of Scotland. So they've actually got these really big stills there. Quite a big deal. Um, big stills mean you can get a lot more spirit, obviously. But they also have got a, um, a copper column still, which you have to use in Scotland for grain whiskey. You can't use it for malt whiskey. Those tall boys. Yeah, the tall boys. But because we're in England and you don't have to follow all the same rules, their single malt can still use it. They were like mixing it up. Basically, they do. They, they use all the different stills and they create these different flavours. And so you get a lighter spirit because they've got this lovely copper contact from the column stills as well. 
Now, the releases include, they did a couple of numbered releases where they did the first release, the second release, and the third release so far. But they've also done some great cask, kind of cask-led releases. Uh, again, they did a wonderful STR cask. However, they also did a really nice Moscatel wine cask finish, and that was lovely. That was kind of like a little bit of an orangey kind of side to it. Really nice summer whiskey. I had a chance to try both of them this year, and I have to say, very different styles, but both lovely ones to try. And in a few more years, when the whiskey's old enough, or older rather, I think this distillery is going to be doing some great stuff. Uh, very, very spirit-led. They really are great at it. Got a lot of spirit, a lot of panache. I like your spirit, kid. Go and get out there. Give them all you got. Now, moving after off from Spirits of Yorkshire, I mean, there's a lot more to these series. I really am trying to cover as many as possible in this little segment that we have because of the time slot on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, time slot on the internet. Uh, We'll go on to the Lakes Distillery next, which was founded in 2014. The founder of the Lakes Distillery was a gentleman called Paul Curry, or Curry? Angus Curry. I always say Curry and I'm wrong. I always think of Tim Curry. Angus Curry, so Paul Curry. Uh, and he's also the co-founder of Aaron Distillery on the Isle of Aaron, which is in Scotland. Uh, also on a sidetrack, Aaron has celebrated its 25th um, 25th birthday this year. Congratulations to Aaron. That, that's like paper or something. <laughs> the paper's like definitely the first year. Uh, silver. It's silver. I told you so. Yeah. Yeah, you told me that. Now, for a long time, they were relying on producing gin. The Lakes Gin, which is lovely gin, well, I will admit. Uh, but they also did a blend called the One. Now, the One was advertised as a British blend. They used English, Irish, Scottish, and Welsh. English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh. Whiskies in it, and they created a British blend. Nice as a way of them kind of getting cash flow in, like I was saying, as with the uh, the gin. Uh, so, yes, they use these blends in the gin to kind of raise money whilst they were waiting for their malt spirit to mature. They have begun releasing their single malt as a whiskey. Now, they, they bottle it cask strength. It's lovely and strong. Um, and they also tend to use a lot of sherry casks for the for the uh, whiskey. Very, very heavily kind of rich sherry cask influence whiskey. However, I will say I always do try and add water to the Lakes one because it is very strong. They, they bottle quite high because obviously it's still relatively young. The other thing that they've done recently, which was really great to try, is they did a port cask release, uh, which had a really nice kind of lighter berry flavour to it. I do like port. The Lakes Distillery, they actually have a very long and slow distillation time, which is what creates this lovely light spirit. And that's one of the reasons it picks up this cask influence so well it's run by snails <laughs> it's not I, lo- I honestly love the really like why would it oh now when you have that lovely kind of long light distillation time it's great for picking up cask influence now whether this will affect their kind of cask releases in the future I'm not sure because obviously it's a balancing act they tend to be using a lot of very high cask influenced whiskies at the moment a lot of sherry casks and port casks as we said which is great for their early releases but later on when they've got old whiskey you don't want to get too woody so it'll be interesting to see if this affects the style over the years now moving on from the lakes we have White Peak Distillery which is located in Ambergate in Derbyshire honestly thought I said Aubergine and I was like that's weird White Peak, <coughs> they've also been creating gin under the uh, the brand Shining Cliff, they label it as. Oh! Which you should know. I do know. Mm-hmm. Now, what can you tell me about Shining Cliff Gin? They have a bagel flavour, I think. They do have a bagel pud flavour, yes. What else can you tell me about Shining Cliff um, Gin? They have... There's like an apple one, isn't there? And there's also... Is there a lemon one or something? There's a lemon one. There's, there's a, a lemon one. one. Yeah, there's a citrus one, and then there's a... A raspberry? Did they do the pomegranate one? No. What was the pomegranate one? Pomegranate and rose? Pomegranate... There's a few pomegranate gins. Is there a pomegranate? A blackberry and something? The one you have. You have a bottle of gin. I actively smelled it in this room. Oh, plum and vanilla. That's not so bad, close. Yeah, I didn't That's think not it was. Now, the spirit isn't actually old enough to call whiskey yet. It's only two-year-old malt spirit. A youth. However... I hated everything about that. 
I have some. Prologue release. It is that prologue release. And it is in STR cask. It's an STR. Oh, yeah. It's STR cask. You already <laughs> forgot. Estimated Tyrannosaurus Rex. Ooh, like that, yeah. Or estimated doesn't make an S. Estimated. <laughs> we could have um, Super Tyrannosaurus Rex. Shaved, measured, and wanting. <laughs> you haven't been shaved. You've been measuring. You no, wait, that sounds wanting. really. That sounds really dodgy. <laughs> For a really different version of that film. <laughs> yeah, STR casks. Yep. Now this is their two-year-old whiskey, or two-year-old spirit rather, malt spirit, bottled at fifty point one percent ABV as well. Fifty point one percent. That's what it says on the bottle. Oof. Oof. That's higher than it my was coffee. Bottled. It was bottled in October of this year. That is recent. Yes, I know. That's why I got it when it came out. I keep forgetting that the year is past. You know, like, time, seasons change. So, we're actually going to break from tradition right now. <laughs> Don't talk about Jimmy Buffett. Don't talk about Jimmy Buffett. We're actually going to try a whiskey in the middle of the episode as well. Because it's not a whiskey. Because we're, we're trying a non-whiskey in the middle of the episode, and then we will try a proper whiskey at the end of the episode. We won't do either of the things you were. Now, when trying young whiskey, or even non-whiskey, because it's too young. It's not whiskey. It's not whiskey. Remember, folks, you need word for whiskey. You do. There's going to be a lot more alcoholic kind of side to it. Obviously, I know it sounds silly, but sticking your nose in, going to be a lot more kind of vapors. I can smell it from here. I don't need to lean any closer. I have the sense of smell of a golden god. Like Apollo before me. It's lightly peated, and it does come through a little bit on the nose. It's very, very fruity. You're still getting a lot of those kind of spirit esters in there. It's a different kind of fruitiness to when you get the cask fruitiness it is. Esters? Yeah, esters are kind of ways that you... Um, it's, it's flavours, basically. Fake news. No, it's actually not. It's science, it turns out. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, though, I mean, even after two years, this is natural colour, and it still looks like a whiskey, you have to admit. A lot of colour's gone into this. I mean, that could be a whiskey for all I know. Oh, come on! That's gin. That's a whiskey if I've ever had a nosebleed near it. <laughs> so, this is the benefit of using things like STR casks. And one of the really big benefits for um, White Peak Distillery, um, when they set up, the first year was actually when we had that really warm summer a few years ago, and all the casks really, really got a lot of uh, cask influence because of that extra heat. Oh, it was a good summer. It was. Oh. It was a really hot summer, that one. I like that. I got some tanning in. Now... Tasting it, it's even a full strength is strong. It does require a drop of water as so added to this one. Have you added water to that? Yeah. I mean, this bottle of 50% JBV is pretty strong. And it's young. It hasn't quite got as much cask influence. I tend to add a little bit of water to young whiskey. Yeah. It's got a lovely bit of a sweetness to it. It definitely does have that nice kind of flavour. And you get a little bit, like I said, you get a little bit of a peatiness, a bit of a fruitiness, a bit of a sweetness. And to say this is only two-year-old spirit, it really does show promise. That's one of the things I've noticed with these. I mean, like I said, this one isn't even whiskey. But even with things like the Spirit of Yorkshire, where they are producing whiskey in lakes, they're really showing a lot of promise, considering they're only three years old. They're really going to be coming along. And certainly, White Peak Distillery is another one to really pay attention to. Is SDR the... Um, Shaved Toasted Richard. Spicy orange zest. Yeah, see? Rich palette of dried fruit, vanilla, honey, clove, and black peppercorn. Yeah, you see, because you've got the STR cast, a lot of spice comes through, because you're getting that fresh wood on it. It's similar principle to using virgin oak cast and things like that. A lot more wood influence, a lot more spice. Whole lot of love. Whole lot of love. A little bit of, little bit of spice, a little bit of STR. <laughs> just a village of love. You know what they say? Takes a village. Takes a village to uh, shave a cask. <laughs> it's like some really old ritual that happened like in the middle of the summer. That, ah, yes, the coming of age, the shaving of the cask. 
wait for one of the solstices so they can shave a cask. Yes, every boy who wants to become a man must go out into the woods, shave a cask, and come back alive. Hey, that's sexist. It was an older time. Now they'll obviously be more inclusive and allow um, women and non-gender specific conforming people to go into the woods and shave casks. Nice. I like the diversity you added in there. I, I thought you would do. You know, maybe some of those casks would be rainbow colored. We don't know. Ah. You don't know what they look like in the wild. And <laughs> <laughs> picture these casks with like little like, little, like sheep figure, legs. No, like stick figure drawn on legs, just like running. <laughs> look at them migrating. They're beautiful. The they do hurts. travel in herds. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much uh, sums up White Peak Distillery, which is in Amber. Yeah, I think they. I like the Jurassic Park stuff they did. <laughs> oh, also actually of note is that the distiller at White Peak Distillery used to work for the Cotswolds Distillery oh. before he came to uh, White Peak. And finally, let's move on to St. George's Distillery in Norfolk. Oh. Now I've left it till last because it was the first distillery. Whoa. 2006, as we discovered at the start of the episode. Full circle. Wait, what? There's no distilleries before 2006? It is the snake that eats its own tail. Which is called the Aurora Borealis. Nope. Which is called. <laughs> okay. English whiskey company based in North. The stills first ran in 2006, which was the first distillery in England in nearly 100 years because the last one closed in around 1903, which is the start of the episode, and that's going full circle. Some might say, like, the world serpent eating its own tail. Whom is called the Aurora Borealis. Mm. Now, it was founded by Andrew Nelstrop and his father. So wait, genuine question. Is there no distilleries around predating 2006? In the gap in between. Right, okay, so we do still have ones from 100 years ago. What about malt whiskey distilleries? The last distillery, the last whiskey distillery in England closed in 1903. Right, so there's no distilleries before 2006. 1903. <laughs> <laughs> was before 2006. Right, so 2006 is the oldest distillery that we have in this country now. Current buildings, yes. Although there were other distilleries. So we have like gin distilleries and things like that. Originally, Do they, you um... understand the gap of the timeline now? Now back then there weren't many distilleries being built, let alone any in England, because obviously it's been the first one. It was a time before the big gin boom, so there were distilleries in England, but they weren't creating malt whiskey, is what I'm trying to say. Ah, the gin boom, like the baby boom. <laughs> yes, where they went into the mountains, found the gin, <laughs> went panning for gin. Now the Nelstrops were barley farmers before the distilling begun, and it struck... Um, Andrew's father, that it was odd that they were growing barley for distilleries, but they weren't actually doing anything with it themselves, so they decided, why not actually start distilling? Yeah, I mean, you might as well. Like, that is the thing. That's, uh, that's what we all think, you know? It's kind of like, well, if we're doing the hard work, we might as well... Uh, get the whiskey. Uh, get the, you, know, you know what they say, um, when you're farming the barley, you might as well barley the whiskey. Now, today, they still use their own barley, which they grow. Um, however, because of the cost of malting, uh, it actually only amounts to about 25% of the final amount is their own barley. And that seems to be quite a common figure with most people where they are using their own barley. It really isn't a very cost-effective way of doing it, so you'll often get the rest of it kind of shipped in to your specifications. Um, now, they produce around about 104,000 litres of alcohol each year, uh, with the aim, which actually isn't a lot. You try carrying 104,000 litres. Give me 104,000 litres of alcohol, then. Go on, give it me right now. I haven't got that many bottles in here. That's not even a litre. Well, it's a start. <laughs> like, my water bottle's a litre. I... This, this alcohol that they're producing, they have the aim of half of it is going to be sold and then the other half is being held back in stocks for later on to build up their maturation of stocks. Mm, because obviously mm. you can't just sell everything you need. Some of it's got older in your warehouse. Does barley grow well here in this country? Uh, yeah. Oh. 
Originally, they released their whiskies as chapters. One to four, did you know? Okay, tell me how one through four worked. Uh, well, being the progression... No, from... no, no, tell me how one through... Tell me what one chapter one was, tell me what chapter two was, tell me what chapter three was, and tell me what chapter four was. A five was, interestingly, yeah, no, 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 no. a private whiskey. Tell me whiskey. about one, two, three, and four. I don't released know about five. those involved from the beginning. No, tell me more, tell me you know, more. There was also a chapter six that was first public released as a whiskey. Uh, the chapters continued to be released over the years, showcasing their spirit, both as uh, petered and unpetered whiskeys would you uh would you believe would you well lucky look at that tell me more about these um, chapters it, it was in a variety of styles up until, i'd really like to know about chapter three up until about 2018 when uh, they began to phase them out in favor of batch release what was chapter 15 like chapter 15 well that was that was in the phase out zone i really said all this originally released their whiskeys as chapters one through four being their progression from new make spirit to matured malt but not yet properly whiskey one and two were brand new new make spirit both petered and unpetered three and four were a progression of like i say not yet whiskey five yeah. was a private release of their whiskey for those that were involved from the beginning and chapter six was actually the first one that they made public um the range at the english whiskey company is as follows you see ready are you ready to follow me go for it tell me all about the english whiskey company North. okay so you have the original and smoky standard bottling now what are they like well, well what's the difference they're a great way what to color? discover what color are the boxes you know they're the color of a sunset on a rainy day in Nebraska. Um, so the original is very light, fruity, and floral, whilst the petered uh, one comes through as a nice, heavily smoky whiskey, some might say. Some might say that. They had not originally planned to go down the petered route, however, which is a bit... I, I, I was saying bold move, bold move. I was there. I was there on the front line being like, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, what did you say? This Back is in bold. 2006 when you were in school. However, their first distiller was Ian Henderson, who previously worked at... Go for it. Lafroig. Ooh, nicely done. You are learning things. On Isla. Well done. You're learning the pronunciation of an island now. You've, you've, you've <laughs> completely learned how to pronounce an island. Convince them to try a heavily petered spirit, which has been well received. It was well received. There was all golf claps. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yes, yes, yes. Delightful. Um, after this, you get a variety of batch expansions expressions, sorry, which highlight the variety of flavours they can create from triple distilled light whiskies to heavily petered versions. You also get a variety of different casks using these batch versions. There's a rum cask, would you know? I didn't know that. Please tell me more about the rum cask. Uh, well, it's from a cask that's uh, had rum in it. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, some virgin oak releases, which has a wonderful butteriness to the character. Oh, does it? As well as the spice you now, would expect. How does that butteriness come across? Well, it comes through like butter. Have you ever have you ever had butter? No, but like, is, is it know? in the back of the throat? Is it on the tongue? Is it in the mouth feel? You know, a uh, 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 freshly baked scone. You know when you butter that freshly baked scone and the butter just... Mm, 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 mm. Just like fresh. A lot of people like warm scones more than cold scones, you know, and I think that's weird. The next part of that range is the Norfolk-labelled whiskies. These fall under the category of grain. Now, they use, uh, they have several of them. They use, they have malt and rye. They have farmers, which uses a variety of different grains. And they have port parched, which makes use of a process where you torrify. Do you know what torrifying is? It's like torrent. <laughs> no. It's where you um, basically, you, um, you kind of roast and get, effectively parch the grains as you're malting. They're like, it's electrifying, it's torrifying. No. It's grease lightning. 
but it basically creates a creamier taste for the whiskey. Oh, okay. They just had like double Elmley. No, Elmley and no, no, that's later on actually. After this, you get the liqueurs. So you get their PX, a Pedro Jimenez spirit mixed with uh, Pedro Jimenez. PX is Pedro Jimenez sherry mixed with their spirit, uh, and it's very, very nice, especially if you have it on ice cream. As I found out when I was recovering from tonsillitis. I feel like we've covered this because I made a joke about P90X. Possibly yes, because the same joke just came back to me. So that's Quince. why I know. They also do one called Quince, where they use Quinces, as well as they also do red currant and bramble releases. And they also do the Norfolk Nog, which is a cream liqueur, like oh. Bailey's. Now, they also have noticed that they always have bowler hats on the Norfolk releases. That is cute, but I do Because apparently the bowler hat was invented in Norfolk. And the whiskey we're going to be reviewing today at the end of the episode is going back on track from our mid episode sampling this time. Whoa, mid-episode sampling break. And we're going to be trying one of the Norfolk single-grain whiskies, which is malt and rye, which is one that we mentioned earlier. Now, they had to go on to using malt and rye in this mix because they found out Whoa, very... Whoa, well, plot twist. No, they found out very early on. Originally, they just wanted to do a rye whiskey. But it turns out, when you add warm water to rye, the grain, it turns into a very gooey mess, like Ew. glue. And it basically seized up all the equipment. They had to very painstakingly clean it all out, um, and that's when they started to add malt into the ratio to uh, to kind of prevent this from happening. Yeah, lesser known fact, um, rye and hot water was originally used to build, put buildings, get them to stick together. It's so lesser known, in fact, that if you ask anyone, they will say that's not true. Is it true? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Big Cement doesn't want you to think. <laughs> yeah, that's what Big, yeah, big Cement. <laughs> so as we know, it's no longer a single malt whiskey because it's not all malted barley's gone into it. Rye's gone into it. Yep. Hence Spoilers. the <laughs> name title Molten Rye. No now, the colour is a really nice kind of dark ambery bronze almost. I would say that's a light ambrosia colour. Now, because you've got that rye in there, actually, on the nose, you really do pick up a really nice kind of spice. To that. I mean, I know a lot of the time you get a spice with whiskey. Quite often it's like an oaky spice, but this is more from the, uh, the grain being used. There is also a nice kind of sweet, almost like demerara brown sugar kind of side to it. I like demerara sugar. Um, and yeah, you also get... Like green orchard fruits, yeah, apples, that kind of side of things, definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, the cask influence is definitely giving you a nice vanilla side to it as well. There's a lot of American oak casks. Probably entirely American oak casks. Um, now, taste-wise, it's got a nice kind of mouthfeel to it, it has. Uh, it's, it's also got, uh, I mean, that rye's coming through with a nice bit of uh, drier kind of side to it than, you, than you'd expect. It tastes like rye. A little bit, but also malt. That's weird. It's weird that it tastes like yeah, rye. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's got, like I said, it's got a dry note. It's, it, there's still the sweeter side as well. Don't get me wrong. There's this lovely balance between these two stages. Oranges as well. O on the finish, it's, it's actually quite dry in comparison. A lot of that sweetness is left by the time you get to the finish. And it's, it is quite, I'd say it's quite a long finish, actually. I think with the tasting section done... It's my sign-off. Not quite. You've got to do your facts. Oh, facts. Okay. Five facts. Go. The bowler hat was made in... Norfolk. Norfolk. I like how you gave me that one. Ooh, no distilleries before 2006 of 100 years. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Shaved, toasted, and recharged. I read that. That doesn't count. Well, this has been Caskhead. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I've been Luke. That's been Jordan. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use. It really does help us, and more importantly, it may lead to others listening to our show and discovering it. We're thinking of making a Patreon for important news like Cask Whisperer lore, my <laughs> Alexander the Great tangents, and every ADD thing I say on this show. You can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions. The links are within the description below. 
Also, I'd like to thank Adrian and Alison of the Weedram Whiskey Shop in Bakewell. Uh, you can visit their website, www.weedram.co.uk. I think that about wraps it up. Cool. So as always, we'll leave you with this one editing goof. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's there in his shirtless. <laughs> no one knows why. <laughs> he gets a splinter from one of the casks. Yeah, and he has to take off his shirt, and it's like absolutely <laughs> so tragic, and we're all really sad about it for sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>